Welcome to the Community Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. For more information about our church, simply go to cccsterling.org. Once again, good morning and welcome to Community Christian Church. As Pastor Dan and Phil have already said, it's so good to have you here and I sincerely appreciate you coming out in this snowy weather. I know what today is. I'm well aware that later on uh, you, go, you have your Super Bowl plans uh, and you know, we like to call this Super Sunday when we meet for service on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, we're not going to take up a lot of time. We're not going to make this the marathon church service, but since you're here, let's take advantage of the few minutes we have. Is that all right? Can we, can we do that? Okay. Um, from my perspective, we're off to a tremendous start here in 2018. I mean, after a very profitable time of prayer and fasting, uh, we went right into recharge mode, and we did that all last month in January. I, I hope some of you did some recharging. And so I don't know about you, but I'm fired up. And this morning, I have the faith to believe that this is the day the Lord has made. In fact, it's the year the Lord has made. I, I have good hope for 2018. And I choose, willingly choose, to rejoice and be glad in it. Now, last Sunday, as we closed out the Recharge series, I, I challenged you and I, I said to you that God desires that we live satisfied Christian lives. He wants that for each and every one of us. And I'm talking about meaningful, fulfilled, and blessed lives. Jesus said it best in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the second part of that verse. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full or to have it more abundantly. That term, abundance, means more than enough or more than you deserve. And a description of that in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 is exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. The God that we serve, the creator God, who put into motion everything that we see, he wants to bless us exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever imagine or think. Do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. Unfortunately, some people, some really good people, they have not learned how to properly manage God's abundance. So here's a God that wants to bless us abundantly, more than we could ever imagine or think, but we haven't properly learned how to manage that abundance. There are some people today that believe that every good thing that comes your way is for you. That every blessing that comes down from heaven from the Father of lights who gives us every good and perfect gift, the only reason he gives that to us is for our benefit, and we get to do whatever we want with it. As some people think that. You might think that. But that's not what the Bible says. Certainly not the gospel message that Jesus uh, modeled and demonstrated for us. In fact, on countless occasions... Jesus taught lessons of generosity and sharing and helping the poor. He made that a tremendous part of his teaching ministry. 
In fact, he told us that the best blessings, the additional blessings, the abundant blessings come to us when we learn not how to receive, but how to give. In fact, on one occasion during a very valuable and unforgettable teaching on abundance or on finance, Jesus actually used a coin as an illustration. He's preaching a sermon, and he actually took a piece of money and held it up in his hand. And with that money for everyone to see, this is Jesus talking now, he says, render or give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. Jesus said that. Now, in the next several weeks, most of us here will be filing a tax return or an extension. And in so doing, we will adhere to the first part of that teaching that Jesus gave when he held up that coin. And that's to render to Caesar or to the government what belongs to the government and give the government a portion of our yearly earnings. However, according to the latest research, we are not complying with the second part of that teaching, which is to give to God what belongs to God. How many know God belongs, some things belong to God? In fact, according to Barna Research, church giving or tithing 10% of our income to the Lord, which is what belongs to God, is at an all-time low, a record low, even in a good economy that we have. Giving is down. Currently, the average believer, this is statistically uh, uh, throughout the United States, the average believer gives 2 to 3% of their income to their local church. The Bible preaches or teaches us a 10% giving, a 10% time. The national average is 2 to 3%. And then here's another amazing statistic. Currently, the number of people tithing in any given church is less than 20%. It's right around 18%. 18% of the people attending church, they bring a tithe into the local church that they attend. The rest of the people, 80 or 82%, they just give what's left over. And incidentally, the number one reason that people give for not tithing, not giving God what belongs to him, it's not because they don't believe in the message. It's not because they think it's wrong. It's just they don't have it. They can't afford to give God or the local church 10% because they're having a difficult time making ends meet. Here at Community Christian Church, as you well know, if you've been here for any length of time, we teach a 10% tithe. That's what we believe to be the biblical teaching. And according to the word of God, when we do that, when we honor God with our finances, when we learn the importance of what abundance really means, God gets involved. And what God does is he gives back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In other words, an overflow of blessing. That's how God likes to minister to his people. With an abundance, with an overflow. And so uh, this month, we're going to be talking about that. Throughout the whole month, we're going to be challenging you in the area of your finances and, and this abundance that God has given to us, the overflow of blessing that he has prepared for us and that he continually gives to us. And I thought a good way to start off this morning is with a tithing testimony. This is a testimony that crossed my desk several weeks ago. 
Here it is. I don't exactly remember when I started to tithe, probably 10 or 12 years ago, but I do remember shortly after tithing for the first time, I landed a new job that was nearly double my previous income, and I thought to myself, wow, this tithing stuff really works. It was a helpful lesson to me since I was, like most, skeptical about the whole tithe thing. I'd heard all the church scandals, the wealth of TV preachers. I grew up with a cynical attitude when it comes to giving. Somewhere along the line, I decided to take a chance and try it out, and our commitment to the tithe has proven extremely valuable to my family. I remember a time when I realized, due to a math error on my part, that we hadn't been tithing the correct amount. Once I figured how much it was supposed to be, I quickly realized if we tied that amount, we wouldn't have enough money to cover the rest of our expenses. My wife and I decided to pray together, and we both felt tithing the corrected amount was not only the right thing to do, it was the thing we wanted to do. So we decided to take a step of faith. We added the extra amount to the tithe, not knowing where the money was going to come from to pay the rest of our bills. I am not exaggerating when I say the very next day, after correcting the tithe, my boss called me into the office to tell me about a completely unexpected raise I was getting. Raises always came once a year, and this was way off the normal schedule. Guess how much it was for? Yep. It was almost the exact amount of the difference. I must say that experience was a strong encouragement to our faith. See, that's a tremendous tithing testimony. And I believe it word for word because not only do I have my own list of tithing testimonies, but I have heard countless people talk about the faithfulness of God. And tithing doesn't mean that you're never going to have a financial setback. Tithing doesn't mean that it's always going to go in your favor. Tithing will stretch your faith from time to time. But if you've tithed for more than a minute, you have a tithing testimony. And most believers do. The Bible clearly says that when we honor God with our finances, when we bring to God what belongs to him, God gets involved. He loves to do that. And he throws open the floodgates of heaven. doesn't just crack it open a little bit. He throws open the floodgates of heaven and he begins to pour out blessings. And most of us here in this room have been recipients of that kind of lavish giving. We can't but say God has blessed us. And we should count our blessing. All right. At this time, I'm going to ask you to please turn in your Bible to the Gospel of John. John chapter 12. John the 12th chapter. We're going to make our way to the communion service in just a few minutes, but before we do, I'd like to share an account that's recorded here in this gospel. John chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, and we're also going to put these verses up on the screen. Six days before the Passover. How many days before the Passover? Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And of course, Martha was serving while Lazarus was sitting around doing nothing. 
You see, just a few weeks earlier, Lazarus died and Jesus raised him from the dead. And so in town now, he has celebrity status. And when you're a celebrity, you don't have to do any work. So, you know, Martha's doing all the serving. And just so you know, the six days before the Passover, this was six days before Jesus was going to the, uh, go to the cross. That's the Passover that we're talking about. Really late in the life of Jesus. So Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. And after dinner, Mary took about a pint of perfume. I mean, the really good stuff, the expensive perfume. And she poured that perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. So it was a lot of money. That, that perfume was worth a lot of money. But Judas didn't say this. And, and this is commentary now in the scripture. All right? Judas didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. How would you like to have that in print in the Bible? As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Verse 7 says, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Now, there's a companion account of the same story in Mark chapter 14. In fact, this account is repeated three times in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and in John. So it gets a lot of airplay. Mark chapter 14, verse 9, 6 through 9, Jesus said, leave her alone. Same story, but just a different account. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. Verse 8, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world, the world, my friend, whenever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what Mary has done will also be told in memory of her. In other words, by Jesus' own admission, he said the actions and the activity of Mary is so important that whenever you talk about this gospel, make sure you include what she did. It's a pretty important story. I want to ask you a couple of questions. First question, other than Jesus himself, who are the two main characters in this story? Mary and Judas. Okay, there's an honorable mention to Lazarus, but he didn't do much. So the two main characters, Mary and Judas. Here's a second question. It's an obvious one. You'll know the answer to this one, but I'll ask it anyway. Of the two main characters in this story, Judas and Mary, whose life story had a better ending? Certainly not Judas. In fact, Judas' life came to a tragic and a bitter end. He ended up hanging himself. And the scripture declares that it would have been better for him if he would have never been born. Now, earlier, and I made reference to this as we were reading, Judas is identified in John chapter 12 and verse 6. And how is he identified? As a thief. And he's called out as a thief for two main reasons. Number one, and it says right in the verses that we read, he could care less about the poor. 
when he said this money should have been given to the poor, he didn't say it because he cared about the poor. He wasn't mindful of others. He was more concerned about himself. And then number two, he was a thief. Listen to this. Because he took money and spent on himself offerings that were designated for the Lord's work. I'll say that again and just let it sink in. He took money and spent on himself offerings that were intended or designed for the Lord's work. Now, after I read that, and the spirit of revelation went all over that, especially during a tithing message, I'm very tempted to park the car and just talk about this for a little while. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let it go this week. We're just starting. This is an introduction. But here's what I want to say. The difference between Judas and Mary, the two main characters in this story, the difference between the two, Judas was a consumer. Mary was a contributor. Judas was a consumer. Mary was a contributor. Check this out. Judas was a follower of Christ. Please don't forget that. When you read about what happened to Judas at the end of his life, and the tragedy of what took place there in his betrayal, don't forget, he followed Jesus around for three and a half years. He was a chosen disciple. He listened to the same messages, the powerful messages that Jesus preached that all the other 11 disciples listened to. He watched Jesus move with great spiritual authority and power as he healed the sick and he cleansed the lepers he was there Lazarus was there when Jesus uh, I mean Judas was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead he experienced all of that spiritual activity he was in the midst of all of that teaching and all of the good things that were happening as he followed Jesus from town to town and still it wasn't enough to change him still Judas was stuck on himself. It was all about Judas. It was always about Judas. That's what the scripture says. He was a consumer. He only cared about himself. Mary, on the other hand, was totally different. Mary's main objective was Jesus. She loved Jesus. She cared about Jesus. She was devoted to Jesus. She sat at his feet and she worshipped him. She listened intently to every single word. She saved up all that money. She poured it out on his feet. She endured all of that criticism for one reason and one reason only. Jesus. She was all about Jesus, not herself. Everything she did, she did it for Jesus. In fact, Jesus acknowledged that himself and he said, Mary has done a wonderful thing and the wonderful thing she's done, she's done it for me. She hasn't done it for anyone else. She did it for me. You see, no one else in the room knew what was going on that day. Six days before Jesus went to the cross. No one had any idea spiritually what was taking place. Nobody knew in just a few days Jesus was going to go to the cross and die there for the sins of the world. But somehow Mary knew. Jesus said, she's done this to prepare my body for burial. 
You see, Mary had the inside track. Mary heard God's whispers. She received understanding. She had revelation. That's what happens when you're a contributor. That's what happens when you connect with God. You get to understand the very heart of God. Now, look at verse 8 one more time. Mark chapter 14 and verse 8. Should be back up on the screen. This is my favorite verse in the whole story. Five words. This is the reason I took you here to this story. Mark chapter 14, verse 8. She did what she could. Say that. She did what she could. One more time. She did what she could. I'm going to ask you to memorize those five words. They are so powerful. Jesus said she did what she could. You know, that's all that God asks for any of us. That's all that God requires from you and from me. Just to do our part. Just to do what we can. Oftentimes, we look at what we have and we conclude we can't do that much. Our contribution isn't going to be significant. We're never going to be able to change anything. It's not going to amount to much, so why even try? God says, just do what you can. Just do your part. You know, I believe if Mary could have, she would have prevented Jesus from going to the cross. If there was a way that she could have figured out how to do that, she would have done it. She was so about Jesus. She was so into this relationship with Jesus. But that wasn't the plan that God had for her. So Mary simply did her part. Jesus said she did what she could. She just did what she could do. Are you getting this? God does not place unreasonable expectations on us. Not the God that we serve. And our God is not a legalistic God. From everything that we can read in the scripture and everything that the spirit of God can communicate to us in our relationship with God as a heavenly father, he is understanding, kind, compassionate, merciful. He doesn't require things from us that we can't do. He doesn't put something in front of us to do that he himself hasn't already shown us is a part of his character. It is a biblical teaching that I believe with all of my heart and I believe it because I've lived it. I have a testimony of it that God desires for us to give him what belongs to him to honor him with our finances, to bring at least a 10% tithe into the church so that the ministry and the work of the ministry can go on. I believe that with all my heart. But if you can't get there, if for some reason you can't do that, and the bills are piling up and you have a, a ton of debt and you have financial stress and financial pressures, 
do what you can. Just do what you can. This is where we get hung up. If we can't get to the level that God wants us to be, sometimes we just bail. We say, well, what's the use? Can't do anything. Do something. If you can't bring all of what belongs to God, the full 10% to the church, then why not 5%? If you look at your finances and you don't even have 5%, how about 1%? If you can't even bring 1%, why don't you come to God and be honest with God and say, God, I just want to do my part. I want to do what I can. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. That's what he wants to hear from us. He's all about relationship. Now, just so no one gets the wrong idea, I am not taking you off the hook tithe-wise. I'm certainly not rewriting the scriptures on biblical stewardship. I think the way God put them in the Bible, that's the best way to do it. I am, however, telling you that the God we serve, he puts out the same challenge to us. Just do what you can. Just do your part. And until you can get to the place where you are honoring God with the full tithe and with the full amount that belongs to him, God is just looking at your heart. And he's saying to us, instead of being a consumer, why don't you try to be a contributor? Because I can take anything. I can take two mites. I can take a slice of bread and I can multiply it. If you would just be willing to put your trust in me. Okay, let's bow our heads and prepare for communion. Father, we thank you that you are an overflowing God. That's how you've ministered to us, Lord. That's how you've blessed us. You've blessed us in every way possible, in every dimension of our lives. Sometimes we abuse that abundance, Lord. Sometimes we literally take for ourselves the offerings that are meant for your work. And so I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to hear what the burden of the Spirit is this morning. It's not condemnation. It's not guilt. It's not even a correction or an instruction. It's just a challenge to do what we can. It's a challenge to do our part. To say, all of what we have has come from you. You have blessed us in every way. And we choose willingly, cheerfully, to give you back what belongs to you. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray, Father, that we could hear the Spirit of the living God speaking today, this morning. As Pastor Dan said earlier, the love of God is in this room. It hasn't changed. It's your love that draws us to yourself. It's your love, Lord, that you care so much about us, that you would instruct us, that you would help us, Lord, to make the proper adjustments. I pray, Lord God, that we could be the people of God and receive the overflowing blessing the abundant blessing that you want to give us, exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, and that we would learn, Lord, how to manage that abundance. I pray your blessing on the communion table.
scripture says it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, it ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks. He passed the cup to his disciples, said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death till he comes. Now, the communion supper, it testifies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a part of the gospel. In fact, without what Jesus was trying to communicate to his disciples and eventually to us, without that, we really don't have a gospel. And in the verses that we read in both the Gospel of John and in Mark, Jesus said very clearly, whenever you tell this story, whenever you talk about the Gospel, make sure that you include what Mary did as a testimony to her. So it's hardly uh, can we talk about uh, the communion supper or the Gospel without including what Mary had done. I mentioned to you earlier that when Mary poured out all of that expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus, she came under criticism. It was Judas who said, why make such a waste? And they, he began to attack her verbally. And do you remember what Jesus did? He came to her defense. And he said, leave her alone. Don't bother her. Don't harass her. Don't even attempt to discourage her. In fact, in so many words, Jesus said, you better back off because if you don't leave her alone, you're going to have to contend with me. And I mean, you know, that's a big mistake. You don't want to mess with Jesus. You know, we're talking about this month, we're talking about giving and we're talking about tithing and the overflow blessing that God wants to put upon us. And there's a verse of scripture that you know really well. It's Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Whenever you talk about tithe, we undoubtedly bring that verse out. It says when we give, when we bring the full tithe into the church, that God throws open the windows of heaven and he pours out a blessing that we can't even contain. That's what it says in Malachi 3.10. That when we give, God opens the windows of heaven, throws them open, and he pours. But you know there's a verse 11. Do you remember that verse? In addition to pouring out blessing, the Bible says he rebukes the devourer as well. In other words, he prevents Satan and all of his demonic pests from messing with us. In the same way that Jesus stood there in defense of Mary, he stands in our defense. And he does not allow the enemy to mess with us. He, the Bible says he contends with those who contend with us. So if you're going through a battle right now, if you feel like you're engaged in a battle, please know that you have someone who's defending you. If you're coming under criticism, if somebody's attacking you, he stands as your defender in the same way that he defended Mary. This is the greatness of our God. He doesn't just pour out blessing. He protects and he prevents the devil from messing with us. And in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, Paul said, what shall we say in response to all these things? 
if God is for us, who can be against us? You see, there's so much more that God does for us than we think. Sometimes we become consumers and we just think about ourselves and what we want and what we need. And we pile up all of this stuff. We have a hard time releasing it. Hard time being like Mary, a contributor, just so focused in on Jesus, so devoted to him that we end up getting ourselves in a position where we don't see God as he really is. He's not a demander. He's not someone who puts unrealistic expectations on us. He pours and he prevents. He prevents the enemy from taking advantage of us. That's the power in this story that Jesus said every single time you talk about the gospel, don't leave this out because there's so much truth here. When you give, when you pour, when Jesus is the reason for everything that you do, you've got a God who battles for you. Just ask you to bow your heads for a minute. Father, I thank you for going before us. I thank you that you're the God who knows every need that we have. You went to the cross and died there for the sins of the world, for every sickness, every infirmity, every transgression. And Lord, in this world, it's hard to go through life without feeling the attack of the enemy, without being engaged in battle after battle. But you stand as a buffer between us and darkness. You fight our battles. In fact, your word says that the victory is ours, but the battle is the Lord's. And we thank you for that, Lord. And I pray right now for the people in this room who are battling, Lord. Those who have issues in their lives right now that are struggles, their problems, their issues that are difficult to contend with. Contend for us, Lord God. Stand there on our behalf the same way that you protected Mary, the same way that you defended her. And you say, back off. Leave her alone. Leave him alone. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for all that you did when you went to the cross and died there for me. Let's take the bread and the cup together. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to go to cccsterling.org slash media or search CCC Sterling on the App Store for more messages from Community Christian Church.